This is a reminder, you are listening to the delayed broadcast here on Faith FM. If you would like to listen to the live show and interact with Mon and myself for the breakfast show, then simply go to faithfm.com.au and press play or use the TuneIn radio app. And this is Encounter with God. You're listening to Faith FM. We are about to have another clue for our quiz. So get your thinking cap on and be ready to answer this one. And don't make the mistake I made. What creature am I? This is clue number three. This is one of the titles given to the devil in the book of Revelation. Ooh, okay. There's a number of different titles. Major characters in the Bible often have different names and different titles. God has different names and different titles. Jesus has different names and different titles. The Antichrist has different names and different... Major characters have different names. and So we have a major character here, I think. Lyle has different names and different titles. I do. Laola. <laughs> Pasta. <laughs> you are so trying to get me fired off this show. Starting rumors. What am I going to do? Uh, okay. And Monica has different names and different titles as well. Oh, yeah. mm-hmm. Mon. Monster. <laughs> Where is the monster? You know, uh, pa- Pastor Braden uh, over there at Curry Curry Church decided he likes to call me Monsoon. Because he thinks not only is <laughs> that is such a good one. <laughs> it's like, yes, it's like it, it perfectly describes your character. <laughs> it does. It does. It does. It's like you open the door, you come in, you're like a monsoon blown in. <laughs> I had to let him have it. Yeah, like, well, we, we, but, but see, we can we can sit here all this. There's more, more than one meaning to this one, Mon. We can sit here on uh, you know early in the morning and uh, twiddling our fingers, wondering where Mon is as the time clicks down, and go well. Monsoon will be here. <laughs> oh, Lyle! Yes. Here come the dad jokes. The, nah, this is this is this is this is your this is who you are. This is definitely who you are. Because when you come in, of course, at the very last minute, mm-hmm. as you love to do, mm-hmm. um, it is like a monsoon just walked into the studio. There's stuff going everywhere. There's the bag going down. There's the books coming out. The headset going on. The microphone coming across, and boom! And she's into the radio, and she's talking just like that. Yeah, Braden will be pretty happy with himself when he realizes how much you agree. Because <laughs> he was trying to come up with all kinds of mon words, like you know, monochromatic and nah, Monte Carlo, and you know, Monaco, and all these other mon words. And then he came up with monsoon. Oh, he was so pleased himself. He's like, it fits in so many so, different so, so ways. So I just realized something. Your name means a mountain. No, mon means one, like monotheistic. But a monte is a mountain. Yeah, Monte Carlo is Mount Carlo. Yeah, but my name is not Monty, it's Mon. Mm. It also means none, as in, not as in like there's... None, there's none of you. Not, you are, not, you are not that none, the, the, the worst none, like none as in single to the glory of God kind of none. Oh, actually, a Roman Catholic none. Maybe that's... Maybe Mon... I thought Mon... It has two definitions. It means, yeah, one or... Am I correct that Monty means mountain? I've always just... You know? I think so, yeah. Mont Blanc is the blank mountain. Yeah, but that's 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 M O N T, where Monty is M O N T. Yeah, it's a Spanish version of the French word, right? Monte Carlo is. is okay, French somebody speaking. who speaks f- Spanish, French, Latin. Yeah. <laughs> Um, Just give us a call. One is the number. Save us calling the embassies. <laughs> <laughs> tell us what. Uh, tell us what Mon's name actually means. What is your? What is Monica? Monica, Monica means advisor. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It works. It works. Mm-hmm. Yeah, get on the radio and advise people every morning. <laughs> 
to vote for me as Queen of Australia. Yeah, yes. that's what I'm advising them to do. <laughs> what does Lyle mean? Uh, it means it comes from the French mm-hmm. Lee or the, you know, because Lee Isle. Oh, the island, or because it's an isle, it's a small island. Every man is go. an island, uh-huh. according to your name. Absolutely. <laughs> and Kyle, of course, means a channel. Oh. So that's the piece of water that goes between the island and the mainland, but that's Gaelic, I think. It's funny how back then they thought, oh, I know, we'll call you after that piece of water over there. <laughs> you can be that rock of land out there. <laughs> well, a lot of countries, a lot of cultures still do that kind of thing, eh? It's Ooh. just, um, you know, I, I, I love African names. Oh, lo- yeah, yeah, African yeah. names are the mm-hmm. best. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> yeah, particularly when I was in Ethiopia, and I'd love to, I, I, I love to uh, get the Ethiopians explain to me, what does your name mean? Yeah, yeah. And my favorite was, we will see. We will see. <laughs> <laughs> this kid was born during political turmoil. They didn't know what the outcome would be, and so they called him, we, we will see. see. That's great. <laughs> yeah. I wish I wish more Western cultures had like really cool. Oh yeah, it makes like it so that. much. Yeah. More, it makes life so much more interesting. interesting. You know, we just have John. Yeah, or, do you know when they go to um, <clears throat> when I meet like African cultured people or you know Asian cultured people, you ask them what their name means. It's usually like a whole paragraph. Like there's a whole story behind it. Yeah, yeah. You yeah. Ask a, there'll you be ask, a story. There'll be yeah, a definition. It's beautiful. You ask, or at least interesting, and then you ask like a, a Westerner and um, or a Caucasian, and they're like, I don't know, I don't think it has any meaning. And, and when we were working in the Solomon Islands, we were in a village that was incredibly remote. Um, pretty much if you were under the age of 25, you had never, ever seen, you know, a motor vehicle or been out of the village or seen anything, you know, um, that was from modern manufacture other than maybe a machete, these people living fully traditional lives. And the variety of names was hilarious. Mm, yeah. So you had, you had like, you know, local names. You know, the local Solomon Islander uh, names, but you had Spanish names, you had Filipino names, you had um, British names, you had every... And, and they were all linked to a story. Every na- Everyone's yeah, name, yeah. they could tell you the story, you know, of uh, of where they came from, you know. So there was this one person who was called Carlos, you know. So you're in the middle of the middle of Solomon <laughs> Islands. And there's a Carlos. And there's Carlos. <laughs> And it's like, how did you end up with a Spanish name, Carlos? Well, you know, and there's this whole story about, you know, catching this uh, ferry from one island to the other and one of the crew members' names was, you know, crew member was a Mexican Mm -hmm. and his name was Carlos and and so the kid got named Carlos, you know. That's great. And and, and then, I can't remember them all now. I had a whole list somewhere. They were so good. Um, And, of course, while we were there, a baby was actually born. Oh. And so they came to us and they said, oh, you named the baby. Ooh. Yeah, so I got to name somebody's baby. What did you call? Are you serious? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> oh, what did you call it? Elisha. Oh, nice. Yeah, because and there was there was a number of other uh, people there with Bible names, mm-hmm. but we were there building a school by a river, and so we told the whole story of Elisha building the school by the river and the story of the axe head, you know, floating uh-huh, off, and uh-huh. we talked about some of the miracles that God had done in the building of this particular school, and so we did a whole we did the whole sermon, um, Sabbath service. And, and and the parents are there, they're with their baby, and they're waiting through the whole service to uh, to hear what the name of their baby is going to be. Oh, that's so cool. That is so and special. Then we, and then we did the, the name reveal at the end of the, of the sermon. We all so sort of, special. as a team, we got together. Yeah, yeah. We got together and decided, 
and, you know, and put out different ideas. We could name the baby this or that or the other. I bet you attempted to call him Lyle, weren't you? For a split it second. My, it crossed my mind. For a split second. Maybe even like Elisha Lyle. <laughs> <laughs> Just slip it in the middle name. It crossed my mind because um, <clears throat> what happened was that one of the members on the team said, yeah, I was doing one of these once before and the team leader just named it after themselves and I was like, yeah, no, that's way too, that's just not going to happen. <laughs> I, am, I am not that person. <laughs> we are way off track. We are. Unless what are we talking about? The name of Jesus, I'm hoping. Oh, this sprang out of, what? Where, where, how did we get on this conversation? I have no idea. Was it the name of the, yeah, it came from the quiz clue. Oh, that's right. Many yes. names. Many, many names. names. Many yep. names. Mm-hmm. Yes. And Mon- Monica is a person of many names. Yeah. Mon, Monster, Monsoon. Mon Mon. Mon Mon. Mm, I get that one a lot. Yep. Monikaka. Nom Mon. Mon Nom. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Anyway, back on track. Back, back on track. track. Let's, uh, <clears throat> our, our study today is all about reasons for worship. Why should we worship oh, amen. God? Okay. Yep. Yep. Give me some reasons why we should worship God. Well, first of all, he created us. Okay. That's yeah. the first one. Yep. That's Second. a massive one. He created uh-huh. everything else too. Okay. Uh-huh. Yep. Yep. Uh, he has good intentions for us. Yes. He sustains us. Uh-huh. Basically, we just owe him everything, every good thing we owe him. Okay. So, we don't worship human beings. We don't worship, or we shouldn't worship human beings. Uh, also because he's all powerful. What, what, would, what would place us in a position where we could ask a being to worship us? By the way, I get worshipped every day. Do you? I do. Please explain. Um, at oh, about uh, 5.30 every morning, uh-huh. my dog worships me. Yeah, I bet. For a moment uh, while he waits for his food. Uh-huh. And, and then once his food, and then, that's right, absolutely. And then when his food arrives, he's like all over. He's <laughs> <laughs> like, who are you? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there are some taller beings in this place than I am. <laughs> Vaguely aware of my presence. Um, no, but it is. But you know, what would we have to do to be in a position where we could ask a being to worship us? Because I mean, the reality is, my dog doesn't worship me in the same way that we worship God. I don't think you're ever. Ever allowed to ask anyone to worship you? In fact, I think that's a sin. Oh, why would you say that? Well, that should have no other gods before me. It's like one of the Ten Commandments. Ah. You're listening to Faith FM, positively different radio. Okay, all right, but let's say that. No, I, I, I disagree. I'm going to disagree with this one. There's no buts to the Ten Commandments, no. Lyle. If there was, Jesus wouldn't have had to die. I, for us. I'm going to disagree. So, so put you your want sin. you want put your morning. put your heresy your heresy meter on. <laughs> and here's my argument. Go on then. We worship God because He is our Creator. That's one of the reasons. Therefore, we if we created another being, we could ask that being to worship us. You didn't create nothing, son. You're just the beaker in the uh, in the in the lab. There's a scientist named God. You're just a beaker. You can sit down. You can take your seat, Mister Beaker. <laughs> you didn't create nothing. <laughs> that doesn't change my argument. If we did, then we could ask that being to worship us. 
If you did. If, <laughs> like, if, so there's a massive <laughs> if in this. It's a small one. Come on, it's just a small if. Just a little Let's one. just say we can cross that bridge when we get there. If you create another being from mud, Lyle, then we can reapproach this subject. But as such, you can't ask well, anything to I could create a being you. from mud, but I don't know that it would ever worship <laughs> yeah, me. Or anything else. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay, so I think that's a, uh, a key ingredient to this discussion here of why we worship God is... Uh, is first and foremost because he is our creator, mm-hmm. and that is the reason that we only worship one God, and because no other God has been our creator. The ancient world created lots and lots of gods, and in some religions today they still have many, 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 many gods, but you can only ever have one creator. Mm-hmm. And as such, there is only one God that we should ever worship, and that is the creator God. For the Greeks, of course, the creator god was called the unknown god, which was fascinating because you've got the one god who wants to be known more than any other god, the one god who is desperate to be known, the one god who comes to this earth, the one god who lives on this earth, the one god who dies for us um, on this earth, the one god who puts in all of the effort to have a relationship with us is the one god that the Greeks didn't know. They knew like 120 other you know, titans and Olympians, but they did not know the one god. Um, that was the most important one um, to uh, you know, to know. And, of course, we have the privilege of knowing that God and knowing Jesus Christ and having a relationship with him, and may that be our experience today. I think it's also important to realize which... Uh, you know, which of these gods is the god that actually has any power? Um, you know, God is not just a um, creator. He's all-powerful. Um, you know, the fact that he can tell the beginning from the, the end, of the beginning, like... He knows your future. He knows, you know, uh, what he has in store for you. And that alone should just, we should be in awe of him. And he's very much deserving of our worship. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and, you know, we've got a, a long list of, um, uh, we, we have a long list of of uh, reasons that we're going to look at as to why we should worship God. Let's go to our first one and let's go to... Uh, where are we going? Deuteronomy chapter 10, verse 17 to 22, please, Mon. So Deuteronomy, the fifth book of the Bible. Um, ooh, we've got a question coming in for question of the day. Look at that. Nice. Fantastic. Is it about names? <laughs> okay, Deuteronomy chapter 10, verse 17 to 22. For the Lord your God is the God of the gods and Lord of lords. He is the great God, the mighty and awesome God, who shows no partiality and cannot be bribed. He ensures that orphans and widows receive justice. He shows love to the foreigners living among you and gives them food and clothing. So you too must show love to foreigners, for you yourselves were once foreigners in the land of Egypt. You must fear the Lord your God and worship him and cling to him. Your oaths must be in his name alone. He alone is your God, the only one who is worthy of your praise, the one who has done these mighty miracles that you have seen with your own eyes. When your ancestors went down into Egypt, there were only 70 of them, but now the Lord your God has made you as numerous as the stars in the sky. Wow, I just had a really interesting thought that's got nothing to do with the um, Bible study for today. Oh, yeah. I guess you're going to share it. I'm going to have to. I'm, I'm trying now not to. Now that you've to. it. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm trying not to because it's going to sidetrack us. But it just blew my mind. Go on then. Okay, so Abraham was a great uh, chieftain of his area, uh, what you would call a local chieftain. Mm-hmm. When he moved from Abraham with his family, with Lot, 
um, and the rest of his family, there was a massive retinue of people and possessions that went with him. He was a man of incredible wealth. Mm-hmm. When he had to raise a war band, he was able to raise uh, 318 men, trained men, from his own household. So that's a that's a household of at least a 1,000 people. Yeah. Uh, if you've got 318 men who are trained and are of military age. So that's a large household, and that's after he split with Lot. And so before he split with Lot, there was probably 2,000. Uh-huh. But what I'm looking at here is how much that wealth and that power disintegrates uh, over time from Abraham to Isaac. So that when you come down to um, Jacob, you know, and you've got some stories there of some terrible things happening, you know, and taking place, you know, um, Jacob, of course, he he spends time as an exile. He has a dispute with his brother. He has so many family issues. He has four wives, um, two of them that are sisters. It's, you know, a domestic nightmare. And how it whittles him down so that when he goes to Egypt, rather than having that big household of at least a thousand people that Abraham, his grandfather, had, he's only got seventy. That's a good, yeah, that's amazing. Mm. It's really lost it there. I have that just dawned on me just then. I was like, wow, that's a massive contrast. Yeah, I have never ever thought of that before. And you think it's all due to the effects of sin, right? It's due to the effects of sin, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, Jacob being a deceiver and a polygamist. Put those two things together, uh, creates a dysfunctional household of the worst kind, and it just reduces his power, his influence, his wealth, his uh, the size of his family. Um, yeah. I never thought about that either. It's incredible. It is. It's, and it speaks to what we do today. Absolutely. With- anyway, anyway yeah. way off subject. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of had to go there though. It's just. It's I just, feel like I'm going to be hearing this again in a sermon one day. You are going to hear this again in a sermon one day. I just know it. Uh huh. It is. Um. Okay. So if uh, for people at Maitland or Curry Churches, if you're listening this morning, get ready for it. Yeah. <laughs> it's going to happen. All right. So where are we up to? We are talking about Deuteronomy chapter ten, uh, verse seventeen. Let's start in verse seventeen. We have a list of reasons that we are given why we should worship God here. Uh, the Lord your God is the God of God, the Lord of hosts. He is the great God, the mighty and awesome God who shows no partiality and cannot be bribed. Okay, so what's the very first reason? Uh, he's the God of God and Lord of Lords. Yeah, 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 but after it says all the nice things about him. He's a great and mighty and awesome God. Yeah, yeah, he's still saying nice things. He's fair. He's fair. <laughs> okay, just. so this is the first characteristic other than that he is just. And that's what people want in their gods and their leaders. They don't want corruption. Absolutely, and yep. God is not just uh, he's 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 not just fair, but he is uncorruptible. Incorruptible? You cannot incorruptible something rather. You cannot corrupt him. He is mm-hmm. he's you know there is nothing that is ever going to corrupt God, and I think that's so important for people here on this earth because the majority of people here on this earth face injustice and unfairness. At different times. And the disdain that people have for any sort of leaders is, you know, due to the corruption. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. They never, ever, you know, um, seem to be able to come through on their promises or whatever it might be here in Australia. You know, there's the standard joke going around that how do you know when a politician is lying? His lips are moving. Yeah. Yeah. uh And it's very, very cynical and it's not true. Uh, but there is a reason why that joke sort of, you know, exists. has exists. Yeah. Anyway, uh, so that's the first reason that he is fair and he is a God of justice. It's interesting that the very first reason 
that we are given as to why we should worship God is his justice. Typically in churches today, that's not what you're going to hear. Yeah, that's true. Typically in churches today, you're going to find that people say the first reason that we have to worship God is his mercy. Yeah, yeah. But the Bible actually highlights his justice. Mm -hmm. And I think that the reason we hear more about mercy than we do justice is because we live in a wealthy, developed country. Mm, True. Whereas if you lived in a country that was desperately poor and you were desperately oppressed, that justice would really mean something to you. It would mean that there is coming a time in the future somewhere along the line where you are actually going to face justice and experience true justice for maybe the first time in your life ever. You know, A concept that would almost be hard to understand. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so we're given a whole bunch of different reasons here. Uh, we're going to look at a couple more of them in just a moment. Uh, before that, we do have a song coming up, but we're given a whole list of reasons as to why we should worship God. Of course, there are two, two primary reasons. Number one, he created us, and number two, he redeemed us. This is Shane and Shane with Oh Worship the King. Oh Worship the King, oh glorious above, and gratefully sing His power and His love, our shield and
That was Shane and Shane with Oh Worship the King. You listen to Faith FM. Let's have another clue for our quiz, Mon. What yes. have you got for us? Nobody's, nobody's got this one yet. Mm. 1-800-324-843. Give us a call. You know the number. Prize coming your way. What creature am I? God cursed this creature so that it had to eat dust all the days of its life. Ooh. Mm. I've never seen one eat dust. I've never seen one either. I really like it when I don't see them. Mm. I would prefer to never ever see one again. Kind of relates to, uh, I think eating the dust kind of relates to the common term that we have today about biting the dust. There's a connection. Yeah, there's a connection. We can debate that off air. Because if we have to debate on air, I think you'll give it away. I think so. Anyway. Uh, Because another one bites the dust means to die. there's There's a connection. There's a connection, I don't and it doesn't so. it doesn't doesn't mean well. Yeah, there's there's an alternative definition to biting the dust. No, it doesn't. You say he bit the dust, he died. Mm. Anyway, anyway, there is still a connection. I, I say there's so. a connection. There, there is. Just, just have to accept. You're it wrong. Me. You know it. No, just, anyway, I am not. Wrong. Let's not get distracted anymore. We've been so distracted today. <laughs> yeah, let's get to our Bible study and go back to Deuteronomy chapter 17. And Mon, if you can read for us. Uh, where are we? Verse 19. 18. He ensures that orphans and widows receive justice. He shows love to the foreigners living among you and gives them food and clothing. Do you think that we would have a different attitude towards refugees if we had been a refugee? Oh, yes, absolutely. A million percent. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Um, and here God speaks about the foreigners who live amongst them. And this is actually a bit of a recurring th- theme through this whole Bible study. Yeah. Uh, whereas, you know, we live in a world today where there is a lot of tension towards foreigners. Which is actually really sad. It's terribly do you know, sad. Do you know why this is sad? I was thinking about this the other day. Like, I was thinking about this because um, someone asked me about the time that I lived in Spain and why I'd cut it short and come home. And I had this, I had this expectation because I'd lived in America before. And in America, the most friendly people you'll meet in America are the Hispanics. Unbelievably friendly. Will open up their homes to you. Will take you in. They. Th- I remember when I was living there. They, a bunch of Hispanics threw me a birthday party for my birthday. This is when I just sort of arrived. I didn't know anyone. I didn't really know them. They just found out it was my birthday and they said, "You're coming home with us." We're the, chucking that's a party. So amazing. And then they invited all their mates. All these Hispanic. And it was like eleven o'clock at night. We're all in the kitchen. Everyone's speaking Spanish apart from me eating ice cream cake. <laughs> and uh, and I barely knew these people, but they realised that I was from a foreign country. I didn't know. Them. I didn't have any family. I had barely any friends. And they just were so warm to me. And so I've always had such a a soft spot in my heart for Hispanics ever since. Uh, and the thing is, you know, here in Australia, of course, um, in America, most of the Hispanics are from uh, Mexico, but mm-hmm. here in Australia, we have lots from Chile and Peru. Right. Um, but you go to a Spanish-speaking church, and you will get welcome. Oh, so welcome. Or, 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 or Portuguese-speaking church. Just you're going to be just be totally loved on. It's the one of the greatest cultures on the planet. Right. And so I had that knowledge, and so fast forward a few years, and I was like, I want to move to a Spanish-speaking country to perfect my Spanish, and I picked. Spain, right? Thinking, oh, they speak Spanish. It's kind of like, you know, similar. They'll be all nice and warm and welcoming and friendly. And I get to Spain with that expectation in my mind, and it was nothing like that. Mm. Europeans, like, have that famous okay, European a- snobbery. I found the, the Spanish people there to be more snobby than the French. And I just passed through France and I was now living in Spain. <laughs> and I was just, okay, okay. I was really but, saddened. But, 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 and it but. cut my trip short, right? Because I was like, do you know what? Well, let me 
No, I'm going to butt in. I'm going to butt in. I was there for like, I've forgotten how many months I was there. I went to a church every weekend, the same church every weekend. And the entire time I was there, Lyle, at an Adventist Christian church, not one person spoke to me. Not one person spoke to me. Not just on one trip. Every single time I went to that church. And by the time I'd finished, the only person that I knew was a British chick. And the only reason I knew her was because another British friend had hooked us up. She wasn't even someone I met organically. She was someone that was like arranged. It was an arranged meeting. The only person I knew. And I wouldn't particularly have counted her a friend. She was an acquaintance. And I was like... <laughs> okay, but I... And then I had a job. I thought to come back to Australia. And I was like, do you know what? I'm not having fun. This country isn't great. And I left. And I, when I was thinking about this, and I was like, do you know what? This must be how refugees feel. They're having a tumultuous time in their homeland. And they're probably just so excited that a country has accepted them and they're just so excited to get to another country and they must be thinking oh these people are going to help me out they're going to welcome me with open arms they're going to look after me I'm going to feel safe and secure I'm going to get there people are going to be friendly and be like don't worry we've got you you know you were living in a war-torn place you're safe now and then they get here or they get to wherever they're going and people are like who are you get off our turf the expectation Ooh. and then the delivery this is I, I was okay, gonna, okay okay go okay I'm gonna, go okay on. because when I meet Spanish people uh-huh. from Spain uh-huh. here in Australia they are the friendliest people on the planet have you actually met European Spanish European people? Spanish people. Yeah, Who do you know that's so European I, Spanish? I, I, I had members, uh, European Spanish members in my church at Marrickville. Are you 100% sure they weren't like Argentinian or No, South? they were European Spanish and they're f- the friendliest, most generous people. And here's what I think it is. What's that? Is that when we, when we I, I think if you've, if you've been a refugee, you're going to have a softer spot for refugees. Oh, and, and of course, these people are not refugees, they're immigrants. Mm-hmm. And so you're going to have, uh, you know, a friendlier, more open attitude and more accepting uh, point of view if you actually live in that kind of environment. And yeah, I think it's, uh, I think it's one of the, the reasons why it's, it's great to get out and have these kinds of experiences in different parts of the world because it opens your mind and it teaches you things and you, you learn things, you see things that you would otherwise never have experienced for your, yourself. As an mm-hmm. example, you have learnt to be welcoming and open-armed and uh, towards foreigners because of your experience of living in a foreign country. Yeah. And I think this is why God says it's so important to be kind to foreigners because foreigners have had the rug pulled out from underneath their feet. They're a little bit rudderless. Not always. Yeah, not always. Uh, refugees. Yeah, refugees in particular, though. Refugees. Because a lot of foreigners, you know, they, they, they move to another country for economic reasons. And mm-hmm. it's not that the rug has been pulled out from under their feet. It's actually been shoved under their feet. Yeah. They've, they've found a great opportunity and they've gone, yes, I'll take that opportunity. And there's nothing wrong with that. More power to them. And the more of them that come here to Australia and do amazing things, the better. Yeah, you know we want those kind of people here, mm-hmm. but I think that refugees are definitely a, uh, a a category that are much maligned in this country. Uh, there are some real, very strong, powerful social reasons as to why that happens, and particularly that second generation that come here either as children or who are born here and uh, seem to fall into you know delinquency and crime there's a reason for that and of course these things follow cycles mm. and you know you can look you can look back and we're getting a bit sidetracked here I know but you can look back to uh, you know uh, when we had Greek and Italian immigration and everybody was upset about that because of your second generation and then you know you move on to Asian immigration and everybody was upset about that because of that second generation that gets into trouble and then you move on to uh, what did I go? Asian, uh, Middle Eastern immigration. Everybody gets upset about that because of that dangerous second generation. And then African immigration. Those have been the cycles that, mm-hmm. you know, we've seen here in the last 70 years or so. 
And what we've got to recognize is that it just cycles because now we love our Greeks and Italians. We're proud of our Greeks and Italians. And, you know, and, and of course, you know, the third generation, fourth generation, they're proud of their heritage. And that will be the case with all of these other people groups once you move through those difficult transition periods and they become Australians. Yeah. And I reckon we can help them through those difficult That's right. That's what we need to be focusing on is we need to be recognizing that this is cyclical. Mm-hmm. There are reasons for it. And we need to be addressing those social reasons within our community by giving these people the support that they need so that they don't turn into delinquency and crime, you know, for that uh, generation or two before they get themselves sorted out. I wonder if we'd been following what the Bible says in, in the way that the Lord instructs us to treat foreigners, whether or not those cycles would have been different. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Could we could we have short circuited those cycles altogether so we just simply yeah. did not have them? And you see this ha- taking place in healthy church communities. Uh, where people have been able to accept, you know, immigrants, first generation, second generation, third generation, and they completely miss those cycles of dysfunction. Um, and so, yes, that's what we need to be doing within our communities. This is Anna Weatherup. Blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. Oh, what a foretaste of glory divine. Heir of salvation, purchase of God, born of his spirit, washed in his blood. This is my story, this is my song, praising my Savior all the day long. This is my story, this is my song, praising my Savior all the day long. Visions of rapture now burst at my side, perfect submission, perfect delight. Descending, bring from above Echoes of mercy, whispers of love This is my story, this is my song Raising myself Oh 
How's it going, everyone? This is Mon and Lyle from The Breakfast Show. Hey, Lyle. Mm? I've got a question for you. Yeah. Is God for real? That's a really good question. In fact, it is such a good question that ex-atheist, devout atheist Peter Watts, is doing an entire series of presentations on that very subject, answering some of life's deepest questions. Are you serious? Can I go to this? You certainly can. It starts this Friday night, the 19th of July at 7pm, and runs every Friday, Saturday, and Tuesday night. Do I have to pay? Where can I get a ticket? It's for free. Simply call 0488. Five eight eight nine five five. While I will see you there. Is forgiveness or the lack of forgiveness eating away at you? A relationship breakdown, maybe long-term hurt, unresolved conflict. You know, it can be dealt with. If you want to break the cycle and start living a more forgiving life, Forgive to Live is a program designed to help us all improve our lives and be more forgiving. Don't let it eat away at you anymore. If you're keen to discover the power of forgiveness, why don't you take that first step and head to forgivetolive.org.au. You're listening to Faith FM, positively different radio. Oh, 
nos ten there my home shall be eternal Beulah land sweet Beulah land Welcome back, everybody. You're listening to Faith FM, 87.6, 87.8, or 88, right across Australia, and it is question of the day time. Yes. Before we do that, one last quiz clue. Um, this is our last quiz clue. It is clue number five. What creature am I? Eve was deceived by this creature. Ooh. Eve was deceived by this creature. If you think you know the answer, give us a call. 1-800-FAITH-FM, 1-800-324-843. Or you can text 0491-064-669. Did I get that right? Oh, I think I got that right, Lyle. That might be the first time I've ever memorized it. <laughs> anyway, give us a call. Tell us the answer. Win the prize. Lyle, question of the day. Yes. This is uh, a great question. Interesting question. What is your biblical understanding of people having a registered assistant animal within church? That's a really interesting question, and mm. I, I kind of wonder to begin with why it is even asked, because you know your initial reaction would be, of course you have a registered assistant animal in church. You know, How's a blind person going to come to church without their blind dog? How's, you know, and, and there are many other kinds of... Uh, uh, and, and so the, the question goes through my head, okay, why is this question being asked? Then I think to myself, and I think, well, in the temple, you are not allowed to take unclean animals. And so maybe somebody here is thinking, okay, this you know, a dog is an unclean animal. Can I have a dog in the in in, in the church service in in, in the in the worship center in the uh, you know where church is taking place? Okay, so that's that sort of makes it a little bit more valid. All right, so here's what you've got in the in the uh, in the ancient times, you had two places of worship. You had the temple, and you also had the synagogue. And the temple was a place that has no equivalent today. It was a place, it was a center of worship. There was only one location in the entire planet, and it has no equivalent today. And so, in the temple, yes, you could not take unclean animals. And so, if you were somebody who was struggling for whatever reason it was, then uh, this is a time when you would, you know, you you would you were expected to be given human assistance. However, the synagogue's very, very different uh, kettle of fish, and I suspect that Jews being Jews and Jews making up their own rules that are not in the Bible probably didn't allow uh, unclean animals in a synagogue either. But that is not a biblical commandment. In fact, the Bible is silent on this issue. What the Bible is, uh, you know, the principle that you do find throughout the Bible is that God cares for people, God cares for animals, and that God created animals to be our companions. Okay, so here's my stand on this because uh, I faced this, of course, in my own church on occasions. I was, um, you know, just recently um, studying the Bible with somebody who wanted to come to church, had exactly the same kind of situation, anxiety and so forth, um, had a dog who uh, fulfilled, you know, those needs and was able to... Um, 
you know, to basically she was in a position where she couldn't be separated from her dog. And, uh, yep, a big shout-out to uh, Twinkle Toes this morning. Oh, he's so cute. Yes. Yeah, yeah. And so I'm like, bring your dog, bring your dog to church, you know. And, of course, Twinkle Toes comes to church and sits under the pew and he is – And um, no one even knows he's there. No one knows he's there. I was there for months before I met Mr. Twinkles, yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Now, if you've got a dog that is rambunctious, you know, and, and I would say an advice to this person, if you don't have a, uh, a an animal at this stage, find one that's going to be appropriate to bring to church. Um, I knew another lady who had a very similar situation, and she used to bring her dog to church in her handbag. Oh, how cute. It was like one of those itty, itty bitty little dogs, just slightly bigger than a like a rat. Well, look, most assisted animals aren't rowdy. No, that's right. Yeah. An assistant animal is not a rowdy animal. Um, that's not what they're designed to be. I could never take my dog to church. It would be complete havoc. Um, but my dog is not an assistant animal. My dog is, you know, bred as a, a, a cattle dog, obviously. And so, you know, that's not the kind of dog that you want to choose if you're going to take your, 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 your dog to church. And so I would encourage you, yes, of course, by all means. And if there is a church, there's no, you, you can't bring that in here. Go find another one. Seriously, yeah. um, th- there are there are plenty of places out there that will welcome you with open arms. Come and join us and worship with us at East Maitland Seventh Avenue Church. You will be more than welcome there. Okay, I don't think that it's a uh, it should be open slather and that people should just bring their dog. Just you know, everybody brings their their pet to church. <laughs> um, I think it should be where there is a genuine reason for it, and you. Um, as the um, you know, the the background of the, this person has shared some of their background has a genuine reason to have a dog at church, and they are wonderful creatures, um, and we can you know enjoy their quiet company um, while we are worshiping God together. This is Michael W. Smith, and he's going to bring to us ancient words.
That was Michael W. Smith with Ancient Words. Very, very powerful song here to end off the show with. We are about to give something away, and we just had a song from Michael W. Smith, so we've got a book about someone named Michael. Is that right, Mon? Yes, it's called Michael Asks Why, and it's a classic rendition of The Great Controversy. It's sort of been adapted for maybe a younger audience or just a more of an easy reading audience. This is a really great book, and it says a character called Michael who starts a life-changing discussion with his mother. Um, you know, just asking some big questions, asking some big why questions. You know, why this and why that? Why does sin exist? Why does suffering exist? Why, why does pain exist? Why didn't God destroy Lucifer or Satan before he messed up the place? Why are there so many churches? What You know, what's going to happen in the time of trouble? This kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah, good question. So Michael asks why. Um, it's uh, adapted by Sally Pearson Dillon, um, but it is a rendition of the classic by E.G. White. So give us a call if you want to get a copy of that. We only have one copy. Um, our number to call is 1-800-FAITH-FM. All you have to do is be the first person to get through. So 1-800-324-843 is our number. There's another one of these called uh, Maggie Asks Why. Oh, is there? Yeah, I remember reading it or having it read to me when I was a kid. These books have been around for a while. Really, okay. really good books for explaining, you know. Heavy topics. Heavy topics mm-hmm. to kids in very, very simple language. Yeah, yeah. Or if you're just not much of a reader and you just want something in like bite-sized form. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, grab a copy of this for yourself. Yeah. Okay, 1-800-324-843. Give us a call now and that book can be yours. Or text us on 0419-064669. Anyway, um, we have enjoyed your company through that this show. Are you looking at me? No. You look I'm, at me when you say that. Well, we have enjoyed the company of our listeners. Listen, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. We I'll have enjoyed your company, our listener, today. I'll we have it. enjoyed your company you really get a choice throughout the show. <laughs> and uh, well, we have enjoyed your company as well. I've Mon. enjoyed your company too long. Absolutely. Let's just <laughs> pat each other on the back and give each other a nice warm fuzzy uh, to get us through the day. But we hope that you have been blessed as we have been blessed. i
Jesus.